to the Round 15 review on the Dr. Supercoach podcast. This week, for the first time ever making his debut on the Monday Review podcast, is Cheezo. Cheezo, how you going, mate? Woohoo! <laughs> yeah, not too bad, JB. How you going? Straight in, mate. Straight in. How'd your team go this week, dude? Um, I'm basically just absolutely barnstorming right now. Three weeks ago, I was at 40K. I'm now into 15,000 and just the, making the buys might be arch right Jesus. now. Jesus. <laughs> absolutely smashing. How did you go? Um, I'm rising as well. I've jumped about 15k in the last two buy rounds up to about 10k. So, um, scored 1800 on the weekend and missed most of the good. Ca- I, oh, I, here's the story. I'll start the, start the podcast with a story. Um, right. I had Hatterbury captain, and my mate came over and he's like, "Oh, who should I captain? Who should I captain?" I'm like, uh, "Go Parky. He'll probably go big." And uh, obviously, they captain Parker. Parker 160, Hatterbury 120, can't complain too much, but lost myself 40 points there. Mate was loving it. Yeah, I, I have to say that you can't really go bad with either of those two. I was lucky enough to put the captaincy on Pendles, and De Pendlebury really did it for me again, matching Parker's 161. Yeah, well, I don't even have Pendles, so not an option for me. Don't bring it up. <laughs> no, it's no good. It's no good. I was here. I was hearing a lot of people were still captain, uh, captaining Danger this week because they just felt so bad not having the C on him. <laughs> yeah, well, if I had to loophole with anyone, it would definitely be Dangerfield because I'm pretty sure he'd still score 150. It's sentimental value, mate. It's sentimental value. Um, I'm surprised he didn't pull out a 140, even though they had the buy. Maybe he just tore up the training track or something. <laughs> mate, oh, they, I was watching the um, open training session they had at Geelong today. And their training guernseys, uh, instead of the blue hoops, they've got orange hoops. They're absolutely disgusting. Oh, God, no. That's that's no good at all. Um, yeah. Yeah, something even... Let's jump into some uh, yeah. review games, hey? I was going to, yeah. Something even less appealing than what those jumpers sound like. The game that <laughs> stopped the nation from turning on Channel 7 or Fox Woody... West Coast yeah. and Essendon on Thursday night, and I didn't watch a second of this game, mate. Did you end up catching it? I, I as I typically do, watch the first half when Essendon plays and then naturally turn it off knowing that they're going to fall away. And it was a good first half of footy. Yes. Um, and we really put up a fight, jumped out of the blocks, and Joey Danaher actually kicked straight for once, which, you know, is once in a blue moon. So you just kind of sit in front of the TV going, it's on tonight, I'm going to sit around and watch. Yes. And um, it was very interesting for those who owned Zach Merritt, who pulled out a 117, and he just continues to score well. And I'm waiting for a drop-off. I don't own him, but he is in scintillating form at the moment. Um, yeah. yeah just... he, he had a, uh, another 24 possessions with 10 contested, 70% yeah. disposal efficiency, 7 clearances, 11 tackles. You know, if you could go back to the start of the year and, and choose between him and Hall, it's pretty obvious that you wanted to get uh, Zachy Meredith in. Yeah, he's shown way more consistency than Hall as well. So um, just an awesome pick for everyone that got him in. Um, now, if we're going down Essendon's list here, I see Anthony McDonald, Tip and Woody. Everyone figured he'd be good cover throughout the buys, but just a 38 on the weekend. What's happening there? I think he's just pretty much cooked. And, you know, when you're getting absolutely spanked by West Coast, the flat track bullies, you really can't expect too many to score highly. Zach Merritt is just one out of the box. And if you have a look across the board, we had James Kelly with 112 and pretty much just nothing else standing out. Um, So with Tipper, you know what you're getting with him. If you've still got him, 
and you're planning in for cover, you can only really expect that in, in Essendon are probably going to cop a few more hidings before the end of the year. Well, what about the um, a player that you brought in not to score 50s, but David Zaharakis? He has just dropped off a cliff. If you were an owner of Zaha, your team is not full premium, and you're probably looking to trade him out and at the absolute worst, get him into an M9 position. How has he fallen off so hard? He's starting to cop a lot more attention than he was at the start of the year. Uh, they're really Teams are realising that he is that main grunt through the midfield. Um, and, you know, you've got the, the Goddards and the Merits and that running through. But if you're able to shut down Zaharakis that has so much run yep. and so much explosiveness out of a pack that the Goddards and that don't have anymore, that really shuts down our midfield. And um, Nelson kept him to 15-odd possessions. Um, and I think there's a lot of people that are really regretting that trade now. And I think... At the time when everyone was jumping on him, I know on the Thursday podcast we were advising everyone to just steer clear of Zaharakis. Same here on the Monday one, yep. Yeah, anyone that jumped on him, you know, you you just bit yourself in the butt because if you didn't listen to advice and you're chasing last week's points, this is what happens to you. Yeah, it's not looking good for those who own him and they're going to have to find a bit of cash to upgrade him. Um, an upgrade option for him is someone who's finding some form at the moment, Matt Prudis, with a big 118. I think he got scaled up quite a bit from that. Um, he's actually, yep, there we go. He's actually looking quite good at the moment, even without Nick Nadanoi. Slow start, but got into it very well. Yeah, you know, 24 possessions, 11 contested, disposal efficiency of 83%. He's got a, a ton of clearances, a ton of tackles, everything that Matt Prudis is known for. That's his game. Um, that, that's his game. He, You can pretty much... He always has these da- down patches. He has one every year, but he always seems to come home strong. So if you've got Matt Prudis, don't be thinking about doing a sideways or anything like that. You can just back him in. A few people even put the VC on him, and they would have been happy being out of tape 122. That's right. 120-plus is something you'd lock away straight away, that's for sure. Um, those who got in Scott Lysette, all the ones that got him in before the reprimand and the ones who got him in after would have been happy with his triple figures. Um, just looks like a decent bench cover for forward line or Ruckman at the moment. Um, some might even have him at F6, which isn't too bad. He, he looks like he's going to score well throughout the rest of the season. Yeah, I, I'm one of those people that I really don't rate Scott Lysette. Ooh. I know he's. I know he's putting up some all right numbers, and he's had um, quite a few tons lately. But I just, I couldn't. You, you know, when you're picking your side and you're putting, you've got to choose between a couple of people to chuck on the field. Say, yeah. like an Aaron Hall, um, an Aaron Hall, a Barlow, and a Lysette for D six D seven. Sorry, F six F seven. Yeah. There is no way I could put him ahead of someone even of Hall that's been averaging 60 lately, I just couldn't do it to myself putting Lysette on the field. Yeah, and completely justified as well. Um, he's At best, he's just good ruck cover and expensive ruck cover, but still good ruck cover mm. at least. Um, if you've got him and got him onto the bench, then you're in a better place than I am, that's for sure. Um, those who got in Josh Kennedy and even whacked the VC on him were pretty disappointed that he couldn't capitalise against his Essendon squad. He... Um, only scored a 76 pre-scale, so not great for his owners, that's for sure. He, he did no good against um, Brisbane the other week too, I think it was. He, mm. he kicked only like one or two goals. He's just, 
fallen off the face of the earth. What's happened? I don't understand what happened to him. He was an absolute beast over the first 12, 13 rounds of the season. And the last couple, even against um, little minnows, he's just really not putting up the big scores he thought he would. Yeah, well, correct me if I'm wrong, but did he not have Brisbane in round one and he absolutely dismantled them? Like, what has happened in the in the weeks following that, that he's just had such a drop-off? I'm, I'm not sure either, but it would definitely be frustrating for owners. The thing with Josh Kennedy is he was putting up big scores even without kicking goals. Yeah. Now, against Essendon on the weekend, he had three goals from only nine possessions, including a contested mark. That's concerning. And a goal assist. He only got 78. So he's not. he hasn't been forcing himself up the ground to take those marks on the wing and get you know, 15, 16 possessions a game that he was at the start of the year. He's starting to stay a little bit more at home. I don't know if that is just something that Adam Simpson is trying out or he's got a little bit of a niggle or something like that. But even if he's now having to rely on getting goals for points, I wouldn't be thinking about trying to get him in, even if he is the highest scoring forward for the season. Yeah, no, he doesn't look like a a good trading option at all, that's for sure, because he's... Like you said, he's just not running up and down from 50 to 50 anymore and getting those marks. And um, he's not being a down-the-line down bailout option anymore. He's literally just staying within his forward 50 and um, hoping to beat his player in a one-on-one, which is, is very concerning for owners, that's for sure. So moving past that game, I think I've covered it all there. Um, the next one was yep. a Friday night game, wet game in Adelaide, which I actually attended and went home quite happy with Port Adelaide getting the win over Richmond. Some strange scores came out of this one. Dustin Martin actually tore the game up. He he had over 30 disposals by memory and only 85 supercoach pre-scow. That's, um, it was confusing the um, the fans, that's for sure. I'm not sure what happened with Dusty. Was, he, was it just inefficiency with Dustin? It was poor efficiency, yeah. yeah. He, he, was, he had a lot of possessions that... Um, under pressure, he was just bombing straight up in the air or just getting out to space and turning over. It was one of those games that no matter what Richmond did, wherever they kicked it, there was just there was always a Port Adelaide guy, the first one there. Doesn't yeah. matter where the ball went, it always seemed to be bouncing Port Adelaide's way. You know, you, you just know when you have those games, you have a clearance, it goes straight to a Port Adelaide guy and it just comes straight back at you, and then you clear it again and it just lands in another guy's hand and it comes straight back at you. It's just one of those games. Um, from a Richmond perspective, that no matter what they did with the ball, it never landed back in one of their teammates' hands. Yeah, and he did look frustrated being followed by Brad Eber all night, that's for sure. Behind and on the ball, there was little scuffles going on between those two. He doesn't... He's not one that you can actually tag successfully because he got off the chain and had 30 disposals, but he's someone that if you can get under their skin and force them to kick it a half second quicker than what they usually do then, like you said, it can fall into the opposition's hands and you can try to neutralise him that way, which I think Port did successfully on the weekend. But, hell, an 85, you're not going to complain about that too much, are you? Um, If you have his... Sorry, go on. You you don't see many games where you have two run-with players in the middle. Yeah, I know. Very strange, wasn't it? Because Kane Mitchell went on to Trent Cotchin and neutralised him for a a below 70 score, which we haven't seen Cotch do at all this year, really. Well, I think we can finally, finally say Trent Cotchin will never be in the upper echelon of midfielders because Ooh. he will never, ever be able to cope with a tag. That ever. Big call. Big call. He's had a good year. He's, he's had four years 
to learn <laughs> and work through a tag. He's like Dan Rich. If they can't do it by now, they're never oh, going to. Man, now, now you're hitting my team. You're hitting my team now. I've got Dan Rich <laughs> sitting there, and I see him on 30 or 40 at quarter time, and I'm like, finally. And then I check it full time. and first quarter, and then someone goes to him, and he has like two for oh, the rest of the Oh, it's so painful to watch. It's... Um, <laughs> I started this season with a full head of hair, and it's it's fading, it's fading quickly. Um, if yeah, it doesn't you, <laughs> help that you're in your early 20s, mate. That just happens to you, trust me. Yeah, well, that and having a missus, that, that'll do it for me. Um, <laughs> Clash Robbie doesn't... Gray, Gray was another standout, mate. Um, yeah, Robbie Gray played really well, actually. I think he deserved more than what he ended up scoring, but I'm not going to complain too much. Um him and the two Richmond teammates of Dustin, Alex Rant and Brett Deledio, are the popular ones. They all t- seemed to score really well for that game. It was um, a good game to own premiums, that's for sure, unless you had Koch. So um, just an all-round decent performance by those premiums. What about the underperforming rookies, which seem to be the story of this game? Um, if you got Nathan Broad in a week early, he only scored 50. Connor Menadieu only scored 50. Um, it was just disappointing that the, the boys couldn't get around it. Connor Menager started well, but just fell off really quickly. I, I think once Ebert chased him down in the goal square and he couldn't keep oh. the simplest about, that, oh. was, that was the end of his night. <laughs> I've never had more mixed emotions going into a, a play in football. I'm like, Menager kicked the goal, but Port saved the goal. It's, oh, gosh, it was... You spilled your beer, let's be honest. Pardon? You spilt your beer, let's be honest. I actually, I spilt my beer and then proceeded to spill everyone's beer around me as well. It was, <laughs> oh gosh, I, uh, I can't, I can't really complain because Port won, but geez, if you just, yeah. I don't know what he was doing. You just stopped in the goal square and stood there, read a book cover to cover, did some ironing and then it got tackled and it was, <laughs> it was disappointing. And the thing is, Menadieu is quick, hey? Menadieu is not Very, the yeah. slowest guy around. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what happened there. Um, moving on, this wasn't a very fantasy-friendly game unless you had the real big primos. Um, now, the game after this one was Gold Coast and St. Kilda, and Aaron Hall, is he back? Well, it, it really depends. Everyone knows with Aaron Hall, he scores well if he's in the midfield. Yeah. He doesn't score well if he's not in the midfield. It's not like Gaz can... Um, play forward and still rack up a, a hundred most weeks um, Aaron Hall needs that midfield rotation, he needs that little looping round the back to pick up extra extra possessions basically 27 possessions at 70% disposal efficiency and two goals racks up 118 super coach points surely Rocket Eid realises this guy needs to play midfield minutes. How many tackles did he have? Too many Two? I've got absolutely no because <laughs> I was going to say he got sent back for his um his defensive skills so um, if he's getting tackles in there surely just Rodney just keeps him in there but in any instance if he's racking up those sort of disposals they play better with him in there like Barlow with Fremantle these coaches have no clue Chizo do you want to um, do you want to take over some coaching you and I I reckon we we can coach these well, teams the quite is, a bit I'm, better I'm actually I'm actually on the Gold Coast for Q Clash this weekend. I've come down to uh, watch the GOAT, Stephen May. There you uh, go. Oh, sorry, Gary Adler. <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm going to uh, just give some suggestions when Rocket walks past me at, at half time. Yes, very good idea, actually. You need to get in his ear, 
Um, just take Gary Ablett off a wing. I don't know why he was playing on Nick Rewalt for half the game. That was some strange behaviour. Doesn't he know that this guy's a contested beast and just a beast in general? I, uh, it's very... uh, well, I'll give you some stats, right? You know where he went back to uh, the Neefall in round 12? Yep. At round 10, Aaron Hall had three tackles. Round 11, he had two tackles. He came back in round 14 for three tackles, and in round 15, had three tackles. He's tackling his defense. Maybe it's his defensive pressure. Maybe it's statistics we don't know about. <laughs> Maybe Rocket just doesn't like the kid. Well, I just don't like Rocket. Let's just let's just get that through to him. Um, yeah. All right, I think we need to stop crushing on Aaron Hall. He had a very good game, and I'm glad he's back if he stays in the middle. Um, Gary Ablett, some people will be disappointed with him. who um, He was a popular captain choice, and only the 86 on the weekend. Um, Played a lot of forward minutes. What, can, I just, can I just point out that Ryan Davis almost outscored him? Are you serious? Yeah, he was in the 80s as well. High 80s. I think he ended with 87, Ryan Davis. I'm not sure what Gaz is doing, but he can't be having that. He can't be having names like Ryan Davis floating around his supercoach score. It's just detrimental yeah. to his, it all, his name. It was all midfield, all midfield minutes based. He definitely played a hell of a lot of time forward. Yeah. If anyone watched any of the game, you would have seen him parked up in the pocket. Yeah, and he was either there or he was sharing a, a wing with Nick Rewalt, which was um, a little bit strange. But Gary Ablett should be fine. He's, he's obviously still a very good vice-captain and captaincy option. Um, those who traded in Matt Rosa as per my advice a couple of weeks ago, um, thank you all for your, your hate mail. I, I appreciate that. Not sure how you got my address, but yeah, he got injured <laughs> again and only scored five. So, he, I mean, he's going to be cheaper, I guess. No, let's be honest. You were, you were saying it in jest. You weren't actually suggesting people would get Rosa in. Let's just clear that up. I thought it'd be a good defensive like, <laughs> bench option. I guess if you had the money, uh, should just back up. I what know. What he's gonna do is fall over and tear hamstrings. He was doing okay for a little while. The two weeks is not a little while. Ah, come <laughs> off it. You don't have Dangerfield. Get out of here. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on. <laughs> um. Anyways, moving on. If you have Jesse Joyce, he scored around the fifty mark, which is formidable, I suppose. Tom Lee did the exact same. And whilst we're looking at these scores, Jack Steven did the exact same. What is going on there? He's had a drop-off in the last fortnight as well. He still had 22 possessions. How does he just score 50 on top? Well, Lee Montagna, he's, he's um, example number two. He scored 68 and he had over 30 possessions, I believe. He just had, It was all to do with clangers. If you look at Jack Steven, he had four really bad clangers during crucial parts of the game. Yeah. Really, when they were trying to fight back into it late in the first, early in the second, when they were closing the gap. And those clangers led directly to goals, and that was basically it. Like, you, you have a bad clanger, your score is cooked. Yeah, and Montagna was having a bad kicking day all game. He had that rush behind, which was blatant and... He just gave away a few frees early. Couldn't get out of the goal square. The defensive goal square, his kick-ins were terrible for the first quarter. And um, yeah. he just couldn't shake it. Couldn't get up that um, for that decent score for the rest of the game. Um, now, those who have Shane Savage, he was formidable again. But let's face it, there's going to be a small ownership there. Um, Jay Gresham was ticking along nicely. Savage. What was that? <laughs> no, keep going. 
go. Repeat it. Repeat it. If it was a pun, then... I said someone could say he was a savage. It was a pun. See, this is why I don't do podcasts with you, Chizo. It's stuff like Dad this. Dad had the pistol. Yeah. <laughs> no. Pistol. Pistol's left this podcast. He's he's just gone um, gone rogue no, no, on us. No, I drafted him. I picked one in the draft. I picked the most you appropriate. You Pistol? We'd pick one. <laughs> <laughs> you, pick your GM needs to have a look at himself, mate. That's a you know it's a keeper. You know it's a keeper league as well. It's a dynasty league. So all right, yeah. He's on the Thursday night podcast for foreseeable future. He's got a bit of youth to him, I guess. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll I'll trade you for a Damon and a Geary. No, nah, or you can. Oh, <laughs> I was gonna say you can have Geary, but he's is the only. Our, is, our, is this our first trade live on the podcast? <laughs> no, I'm keeping Geary. He's better than Pistol. I'll back him in. <laughs> Cheezo, what are we even talking about anymore? Does this need to... <laughs> no, let's get going. <laughs> um, <if> you... <laughs> Moving on to the Sydney Bulldogs game, if you had the three popular premiums like I did, Parker Hanabry and Franklin and McVeigh, will throw him in there, and Josh Kennedy scored 100, and if you've still got Callum Mills, he scored more than 90, um, they were just all over it there. They're popular picks. It was very good for Supercoach. It was an absolutely brilliant game, and it's... The second time late in a game that the Sydney defence has been found out for not sticking to their structures and watching the most dangerous man, JJ was able to just identify the hole, quickly run back, get the kick from Bont to be you know ten metres closer on a better angle, and there was six Sydney guys standing around Bont who were just yeah. you know hands on their hips looking at the ground like is is just unforgivable with sixty seconds late in the game. Yeah, and they really just threw that one away. Um, owners of Tom Mitchell would be disappointed with another score around 60. James Rose was solid, and his his attack on the contest just looks excellent for a young player. Um, I reckon he'll be able to hold his spot for a long while in that team, which is music to the ears of those who got him in for a bit of cover, that's for sure. Yeah, Longmire is all about role players so at the moment he's got Tom Mitchell playing another stupid role because horse is horse <laughs> and we won't go into that but Rose is one of those uh, role players as a massive defensive aggressive kind of um, defensive pressure player and while he's doing that role he's always got a spot in that team and those with him are going to have him playing for the foreseeable future yeah definitely and I do like that pick if you've got him um now, Bontempelli, he had an absolute ripper game. Do recall saying last week that he was a good trading option. Now, I'm not going to count my chickens before they hatch, but um, very good start by the Bont. Uh, Matthew Boyd oh. was excellent as well. Um, do, you yeah. have, do you have Boydie? I love Boydie. Everyone knows I, I rate Boydie. <laughs> I, I had no having idea. JJ, having JJ come back, everyone was worried that, oh, once JJ comes back, Boyd's going to be no good. If anything, it freed him up. He had 32 possessions at uh, 75% disposal efficiency and t- six tackles. Boyd's not a big tackler. So his 127 was out of the box for him, and that's just absolutely brilliant and what I needed. Yeah, he definitely had a great one, to be honest, and I think he's going to continue that. I, He's probably the... Probably the only defender that I regret not getting in at any point. So um, I hope he doesn't burn me too much on the other side. Libertorio was serviceable. Can I say something on Bontempelli as well? Go for it, mate. 
he was on four points at quarter time, and he ended up with 128. That's because I picked him to do well. Yeah. He had 29 <laughs> possessions, 12 contested, eight tackles, a goal. This guy is going to be fighting Paddy Cripps and probably Darcy Parrish for Brownlows in the future. <laughs> Throw Darcy in there. <laughs> I'll let you get away with it, but yeah, you you definitely right those those two especially. Um, we'll throw Darcy in there, but um, yeah, no, they they will be fighting for Brownlow's, and we have so much good young talent. Like think about Darcy Moore, Jesse Hogan, and um, Tom Lynch all fighting for um, Darcy Moore was a weird one to throw in there, but I do rate him fighting for Coleman in the next few years. Um, Joe Danaher would definitely be fighting to keep his accuracy above 50% in front of goal. Um, Mate, if he got 10 points per mark, he would be the greatest AFL player known to man. <laughs> That's just a terrible call. I'm not even gonna... all, all he does is take marks. He, he's a he, strong contested mark, but he can't do anything else. He's he a... almost, almost got a handball the other day. He's a rich man's um, Levi Casbolt. That's what he is. Rich man's Thai Vickery. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, everyone's a rich man's Thai Vickery. That's, uh, he's yeah. I didn't. That was the only um. It, it, absolutely brilliant game across the board, and some massive scores. And I'm pretty sure everyone would have been happy with that, except if you had a multi on the Swans. Yeah, well, definitely. Um, two scores that do stand out for being in the poor category. If you got suckling for that bench cover later on, or even. A D6, he failed to fire on the weekend with just a 30s score. Um, and those with Marcus Adams will have to be patient for a few weeks while he recovers from a um, strain in his foot. So there's some bad news coming from the dogs camp. I did read, however, earlier today that Dowhouse was running already. So um, very good news for owners of him. He should only be a couple more weeks away, maybe um, I'm not a doctor, so I'm not going to give a proper diagnosis. Um, now, moving on past that game, Carlton-Collingwood, the fierce rivalry of Carlton and Collingwood. Cade Simpson on absolute fire, but out overshadowed by Scott Pendlebury, who I don't own. Um, talk a bit about Pendles. Mate, he had 34 possessions, 14 contested, the most important thing was he had 85% disposal efficiency, which is above elite. Eight clearances, a goal. It's just Pendles being Pendles. Uh, what more can you say? You can say that I don't have him, which is just depressing. <laughs> but um, I don't. I, I don't. I don't have any Collingwood players except Tom Phillips, and he scored 30. I don't know what I'm doing with Not myself. Not even that, I don't think. I'm pretty sure he only He's got 28. 28. Yeah, thanks, mate. <laughs> yeah, I need a bloody Jack Turingrove. You know, Jack Turingrove warmed up with the AF, with the uh, AFL team only to be um, like not included because Viney got up. Yeah, and then he was sent across the road from the MCG where the Rezies were playing, and he played the second yeah, half. He played of that. the second half. <laughs> How yeah. funny is that? Um, yeah, just unlucky. I, I would have liked for him to get up as well. Um, now, those who own Sam Carriage still, he had an underwhelming game. Um, do we just stay true to him or just whack him on the bench and only use him when we need to? Yeah, he, for me, is still bench cover. I've got, I'm holding Barlow at the moment um, on my bench, so Carriage is sitting at D6, uh, sorry, F6 for me. Yeah. Um, 
the thing was he, he had 20 possessions. He had, a, he had a reasonably good game, but he only went at 55% disposal efficiency and only had one tackle, which is very strange for Sam Kerridge. Yep. So it was, a, it was an ugly game all round. So um, it's just a bit of an aberration. You know you're going to get 50s and 60s with Kerridge. You know you're going to get 100 with him the, the next week or the week after. It's the whole point of having someone that's not a full premium. So if you've still got him... You know, he would be the last kind of person you'd upgrade. But for me, I'm keeping him at uh, F7, really happy just to come on the field for a couple of weeks while Barlow gets ready to save me a trade. Yeah, no doubt. Um, Trelaw and Sam Doherty owners would be slightly underwhelmed with their scores in the 80s, but um, you just pretty much look to next week with them. It was the last buy round. Take that as their excuse and um, move on with them. And as I said earlier, Cade Simpson was amazing. Bryce Gibbs scored over a ton. Matthew Wright continues to do well. Um, I've got someone in their league who has him as a POD and it annoys me because every time he scores well, it seems to be against me. So, not a Matty Wright fan, that's for sure. And he's from the Crows, so I can't really pay that. Um, sad news for Byrne, though. He he sustained a 12-monther, didn't he? He got a... Was it an ACL injury? ACL, no. Yeah, very yeah, sad. Complete rapture. It was a high-grade tear of the prop small ACL. So the the fibers are completely gone. It's going to be a twelve month reco. Yeah, sad news for Burn. Um, obviously, if you own him, you um, cash in, take, give him the flick. But yeah, very sad news. We hope he recovers as soon as possible. Um, now into the final game of the round, which was actually a, a pretty good game up until about maybe fifteen minutes left, is Melbourne and Adelaide. And if you're a Rory Sloan owner, he did rack up a bit of the pill. He had 13 tackles, but only 104. Um, a little bit of an underwhelming score considering how well I thought he played. Well, he only had 23 possessions. Um, he didn't have the same influence as what he usually has. Uh, that, that 13 tackle count definitely... Um, bumped him up there. He only had 65% disposal efficiency as well and only only three clearances, which overall is a very much a down game for Rory Sloan. But if you're keeping, keeping up with the uh, AFL Coaches Association votes, you'll actually notice that he's one vote on top clear of Patrick Dangerfield. Crazy. Not only does it... Yeah, not only does he not have people taking votes off him but as you see here he wasn't having the most influential game in terms of possessions so he found another way to influence the game and that was with his tackling account if he couldn't get the ball he was going to make sure that the person with the ball didn't dispose of it efficiently and that's why Rory Sloan is really really excelling this year even putting up a 106 even with only 23 possessions yeah he's an absolute gun there's no doubt about it and he has uh, an amazing haircut to match. Um, yeah, we got to we got to make note of the haircut. It's, it's beautiful. Um, Rory Laird scored in the nineties again, as he seems to do every single week. But more of a consistent. Yeah, at least you can say he's consistent. More of the story in this one was Brad Crouch was um, was pretty much, pretty well back with a. Um, I think he was scaled to a score in the nineties. So. Um, if you're looking for some bench cover, would you consider Crouchy? Bloody oath. I, I, I love the idea of Crouch as M9. I love him as, as a cheap guy that you could have last week gone hop at a Crouch. That that would have been just the, the perfect kind of shark manoeuvre that you know you could um, potentially straight swap a, a rookie to a, a underpriced premium that could come home with an absolute bang. 
Yeah, I also rate the move. Um, you can still do it this week. You're not quite priced out of him, but it'll probably be the last week, especially if he scores well again um, next yeah. week. Um, now, looking down Crow's list, um, if you had Matt Crouch or... Uh, well, you probably wouldn't have Matt Crouch. Brody Smith is more the popular one. Um, he had another shocker. Owners of him, if you weren't warned by last year's performances then you probably deserve a bit of Brody Smith um, roller coaster ride, that's for sure. Um, if you had to fill Petrarca for the final buy, then you would have been disappointed with his score in the 50s. Yeah, um, I think a lot of people... He looks cool, doesn't he? Yeah. He looks he, tired. He already does look tired, and he's played less games than some of the other rookies out there, but he just, yeah, he does look tired. And he's playing a lot of time up forward. When he's in the midfield, he's and excelling, but just up forward, he's, he's kind of a bit, a bit wasted. He's a, he's a bit low on gas, and you've got to remember that he had a limited preseason. He didn't play at all last year because of his ACL Rico. He probably is looking for a week off here and there, even with the buyers just gone. He's he's still a young player, and I, I can expect Ruse to be giving him some time off over the run home. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised either. And finally, in this game, Max Gorn was able to notch up the ton, I believe. Actually, 98. 98, so just fell short. Um, but yeah, still serviceable from the big man, especially considering we all know he's allergic to the grass on the MCG. So <laughs> overall, pretty good scoring weekend um, with some ups and downs, a few hiccups. Um, those who had Zaharakis, I'm not sure how well we covered this, but he is missing a week due to suspension. Um, he's definitely a trade-out, isn't he? Yeah, I think that makes your um, your job even easier. He's just got to go. Yeah, no You've doubt. got to find someone to go to. You know, for, for Zaharakis, it's not going to be that much money to get a Parker who's still below um, 500000 but still averaging 111 for the year. Um, I would be moving Zachary on if I could ASAP. Yes, definitely. Um, now, moving on, we generally do the rookie rundown in this section. Now, only the only two that really stand out, Savani on debut, who scored a 70, was actually really serviceable, 117K forward. And then you got Broad in defense, who's 117K. Now, we won't really compare the two because I suppose... You wouldn't really be tossing up. Wouldn't really be tossing up between who to get. Um, if you need a defender downgrade, then you get broad. Obviously, same with the Ford and Silvani. I want to ask you though, Chizo. Considering we're past the buys now, do we now look at getting in a um, a donut and maybe trying to loophole some of our bench players on for our um, dicey premiums? I suppose. Stage, you should have six on field premiums and you should have probably one rookie on the bench. Ideally, you would have an underpriced premium, say like a Cade Collardagny or a Marcus Adams on the bench as your D7, for example. Yep. There doesn't seem to be any point in having a constant loophole on a defence line when you've already got your six premiums chosen and you're never going to be loopholing the rookie that's sitting on your bench anyway. What's the point of trading in a donut? You know, if you if you have a couple of injuries late in the year, you're burning a trade just to get in a donut when you could save that trade later to just replace that injured premium with another premium. Yeah, I get what you're saying completely. And it is a fair stance to take on this sort of scenario. Um, in... 
um, in argument with that, I suppose if the 20K between getting someone like Broad, who you know is probably only going to play one or two games max over, um, say, that Fremantle player, Uber, Uber Gang, or um, yeah, I'm not sure, not sure on the pronunciation there. But um, if you can get him in and say Marcus Adams is in your forward line, then swing that all around, and I mean you've got a you've got cover for both lines now. You've saved yourself fifteen grand, which could come in handy, and you've got someone that you can chuck on the field for your captain's loophole, or um, if one of your rookies like Menager on the buy round goes massive, then you can chuck him on the field for him. Um, it just opens up quite a few avenues, but I'd only really do it if it opened up a swing somewhere. I wouldn't do it just strictly um, getting a player per position, if you know what I mean. Yeah, so, for example, if you're trading, uh, say, a Marcus Adams or you're cashing the Sam Collins, my point of view is why would you trade out someone with great job security to someone with no job security and basically leaving you with one on the bench? So if you can trade a Sam Collins at 260k down to a broad, Broad does have very shaky job security, but at least he has some form of job security. If you've got, if your point is just to trade down to an absolute spud for no apparent reason other than to save yourself 50k, uh, sorry 15k, that could end up crippling your team at the end of the year. I remember, you know, four years ago I had um, Hargrave and Sam Shaw and all these guys in the back line, and I used up all my trades thinking I'd finished my team, and then I ended up. Um, chasing like a, a, a permanent donut in the back line to save as much money as I could. And I ended up with three injuries in the back line. I had two donuts for the last two rounds of the year and it just completely cooked my ranking. Yeah, um, it is. It, it's an interesting debate, that's for sure. Um, and it's very team specific, but I do yeah. understand those who choose to open up some sort of swing. Like, for example, last week I had 19 playing in the buy round until Trangrove went out, which, I mean, 18 yeah. playing, I still managed to rise. Um, I had no swing from forward to mid at all, so I traded in a player into my midfield that could go forward, and I opened up being able to field manager and Phillips at the same time, or being able to loophole them, or loophole in the midfield and the forward. Like, it just opens up quite a few avenues, but... Like I said, I'd only do it if you had players in both lines and it really just opened up a lot for you. Otherwise, there's no point having an exclusive defender donor, if you if you know what I mean. Yeah, you, you need to be trying to find some way of, of advancing your team. It's not waste. It's a wasted trade if you're just going to trade someone out for someone that doesn't benefit your team. Even if it is a permanent donor, the benefit of opening up a swing... Um, say you had Mitch Brown and Marcus Adams one on in, in forward and one in defence, and you traded say Mitch Brown out, and you've lost that swing. If you were going to trade in a rookie, you'd get a um, say like an Uber Gang or something like that that did have that um, switching uh, eligibility that does benefit your team. There's absolutely no point in say um, trading down to someone that has no job security, not going to play, doesn't have a swing, is just holding that zero on your bench. It doesn't, it doesn't positively impact your team at all. And last week, with my trade to get in Tom Phillips, I could have cashed in Christian Petrarca for a heap more um, um, commodity, but I had to trade out someone early, a rookie early in the midfield, to reopen that forward swing. And now that Barlow's injured, it's really helped me swing him onto the forward bench where I can now cover him. 
Yeah, you're completely correct. It's it's the correct stance to take when considering these type of things. Just make sure you're upgrading your team, whether it's yeah scoring or in this case um, being able to just cover multiple positions with players. Um, now the next section that we usually cover is the upgrade targets, but um, I think we're going to assume that everyone's either full premium or you've got your eyes set on someone. So. We are going to skip that section today unless you have any major PODs that you want to add in. Well, what if I pose you this question? Say you've got um, a full primo team. Say you've got five or six trades left. You've got like a Christian Petrarca on the bench. You've got a uh, a Sam Collins on the bench or something like that um, with a Darcy Tucker or whatever that, uh, with good job security. Would you consider going, say, a Sam Collins to a fallen premium like a, a Cade Collagagny as better de- uh, bench cover rather than upgrading, say, um, uh, a slightly underperforming premium like a, a Robbie Gray, say, up to a, a Joel Selwood or someone like that? Um, would, you, would you consider getting that slightly underpriced better bench cover over a Sam Collins, say? I'm going to go with option three and do neither. I think the trades are more valuable, and unless you've got 100K and you can go Robbie Gray to Pendlebury or Daniel Rich to Doherty or um, Aaron Hall, per se, even though he's, he's coming back, Aaron Hall to Dane Zorko, unless you can do one of those moves, I'd, I'd still hold the trade and just stick true to the premiums that you, you've chosen. You've chosen them for a reason. Stay with them. If one of them goes down and they're at 550k, at least you've got options from there rather than yep. um, subbing in a Brad Crouch for the last four rounds and Robert Gray just doing nothing on your bench, not coming in or anything. Yeah. Um, so I'd probably side with that. And say you trade in Pendlebury for Robbie Gray. I mean, not Pendlebury. That was one of my, my good examples. Say you trade in... Yeah. Um, uh, who, who's one of those mid-range? Like Trelaw for Robbie Gray and Trelaw uh, gets underscores or gets injured or something like that, then you you just dug yourself a hole. You've wasted two trades. Like, um, I reckon just hold your trades. They're more valuable for that. Unless you're going average player to full uh, uber premium, then I'll just leave yeah. everything as it is and just back yourself in. Yeah, so if you had Dan Rich at D6 averaging only 84, would you rather go at Dan Rich to a Cade Simpson for 120k instead of sidewaysing, say, a Collins at full price to a, a fallen premium like KK? Yeah, I'd probably do the Dan Rich one. Yeah. I reckon that improves his scoring rather than just having a decent bench player that's going to score points on your bench. It doesn't really do anything for you. Yeah, then, so long that your, your standard six playing in the back line play every week, you're going to get more points. Um, if you upgrade the, say, the D6 of Dan Rich to a, a Simpson. Um, but I guess that like coming into the end of the year, there's always going to be restings. Um, you know, you've got a Matty Boy to Cade Simpson and Jared McVay. You could potentially have all of these guys in your back line and a couple of them might get rested towards the end of the year. If you've only got, say, Sam Collins and Darcy Tucker on your bench putting up 40s for you instead of a KK that could put you up a ton if you get him on a good week. Um, I, it really depends on um, what one is going to lose you more points in the long run. It's a, a really big brain tease. I, I really don't know yeah. which way. I think it's just more, more of a brain tease for you. I don't even have an answer for you, to be honest. <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think in this situation, I'm holding Dan Richard D6 
and I'm probably going to hold Sam Collins as my bench cover uh, with Darcy Tucker at D8. But if KK or someone like that still presents themselves really late into the buys, and I have and I real I have a trade left over for whatever reason, I've made it to finals. I could really, really push the idea of having that kind of premium bench cover because I know during finals something's going to go wrong. Happens yeah. Every- it's a, it's a hard question to answer because, I mean, you're pretty much trying to predict the future. If you're going to get injured players or if a player is going to um, score way less than another player. So it's a very tough one, but I always side with the with the fact that trades are far more valuable. And unless you're getting 20 points out of it every single week, then um, just don't bother with it, with it at all. And if you're trying to predict injuries or restings, then... It just gets too hard. You put too much stress on your own team. So um, just back everyone in and and just ride the the fun roller coaster to finals, which generally ends with zero trades and a lot of broken computers and a lot of beers drunk. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Uh, I, I, did you just say fun roller coaster? Yeah. Oh, I I love it. <laughs> oh, come on. I've I, never been on a finals super coach roller coaster that's been fun. Having Brody Smith last year was the funnest time of my life. I no, it wasn't. <laughs> I know. We talked about this. I started with Rocky. I started with Side Bottom. I started with Sloan. Oh no! And the first two, they'd all had their heads knocked off and their cheeks fractured and their ribs broken and the, this, that. And then Brody Smith come out with two massive one fifties in a row. So you go and get a Brody Smith, and then he bloody just falls off the face. Ah, and then you get fifteen's gone. Brody Smith is on the never again list. Yep, fair and enough. I'm not, I'm not going to touch him. I, no, just for me, he's probably a good player. He'll probably come back and average 100 for the rest of the year. I'll never touch him ever again. <laughs> just a big, big calls here from Cheese. I, I think he's... 30 trades, him, Rockliffe and um, Sloan <laughs> used about 15 of them last year. What about Jordan Lewis? He started off like a house on fire as well and then went down with injury. <laughs> Uh, was... Just, uh, I'm not going to mention that I traded him in for bloody Rockcliffe. Rockcliffe down either. Yeah, it's one of those. Like, it was one of those years, and Ablett did the same thing. He went down as well, and oh, it was disgraceful. Like, I couldn't believe yeah. it. They were falling like flies. Um, now I think we're going to wrap up there. We're not going to get to the Facebook questions. We've gone a little bit overboard because Chizo. He's just such a talkative fella, and I put all blame on him. Man, I've got knowledge just coming out of everywhere. I know. I just really don't know what to do. I've actually learnt quite a lot. I'm going to have to um, sit into one of your Thursday podcasts, and I might actually improve my <laughs> ranking a bit. Um, we actually do like a two-hour podcast before the podcast just to get out of the gibberish before we start. Yeah. Yeah, um, I feel sorry for the fans that have to actually listen to this. I hope it's a little bit entertaining at least. Um, we will get through the questions on Facebook though with um, with our Dr. Supercoach account so we won't answer them on here but we will get to them um, thank you very much for che- uh, for cheesing me Joino <laughs> I started saying it so I thought I'd commit so um, there you go no worries Jamie all good hey oi come on <laughs> we've spoken about this oh jeez um, we've gone off the rails at the end here off the absolute rails so I'm going to end the podcast there um, good luck on Thursday Chizo. I'm glad you're feeling better mate um, yeah, and we'll <laughs> yeah. and um, I'll talk to you soon good luck with your team mate and good luck to the community no worries catch you guys <laughs>